You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Corona. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Jay Black. We hope this message blesses and encourages you this morning. If you'd like more information on Parkway Church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com, where you can listen to the full version of our messages. It. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Listen to verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So even Jesus was not politically correct. Jesus said, if people don't put their faith in me, they're lost. They're not restored to a right relationship with God. And so we base uh, the fact that people need to be restored on the very teachings of Jesus himself. Secondly, to be renewed. People's purpose and destiny in finding God's will for their life is the process of being renewed. It happens through discipleship, through worship, through, through reading God's word and understanding it, walking in obedience to it, uh, uh, through prayer, through mutual, mutual and accountable fellowship. Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them to what? Obey. To obey. There is a way, the Bible says, that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to death. But God is the one who said he would give us our, the spirit of truth and he would lead us into truth. And Jesus said that not one word will be changed from the Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but nothing, no truth from that will change. So we have to teach people to, to walk in obedience to God. He is the creator. We're the created. And so when we're renewed, we are living as we were intended to live. We are discovering what his kingdom come, his will be done in our lives is all about. Also, people are renewed in their body, their minds and souls. They're made whole. They're healed and they're set free. The renewal process leads us to the awareness that we are kingdom people first, that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Are you tracking with this? Released. And then finally, we've got to go and do the same. Disciples making disciples. The, the whole North American way of doing church where we live six days uh, of the week and then we come Sunday so that people can stand up and give, give, give to us isn't, isn't Jesus' model. You and I are called not to be just receivers, but to be people who are equipped so we in turn can go and make disciples and do what Jesus has called us to do. People uh, letting our good deeds and good work shine before people so that they will glorify our Lord, going into our world according to Mark 16 and 17, preaching the good news of Jesus, healing the sick, setting captives free. And that's Parkway's mission statement, to restore and to renew and to release people. And it's what we do as a gathered body, but it's what we're all called to do because of the Great Commission as individual members of the church. Amen? This is every believer's privilege and the mandate of Jesus for every church. Obviously, we're called to go and make disciples, and, uh, and, and that doesn't happen only within the programs that happen within the four walls of the church. Again, that's why we have to be a church without walls and a kingdom without borders. As we understand that each one of us is the church, the church isn't the building or programs, but we're the people of God, we need to leave here equipped and we represent the kingdom of God anywhere and everywhere we go. That's, that's the truth of it. The emphasis that we are putting on our public gatherings, uh, when we gather together, whether it be midweek Wednesday, 
the youth services, uh, our prayer meetings, our Sunday mornings, our special services. Here's the emphasis that God birthed in our hearts last year as well. The emphasis of our public gatherings, or maybe the goal is to build around the presence of the Holy Spirit. To bring people into the life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can go to churches and there's a lot of talk in and around and study of the Bible and there's a lot of singing, but it lacks something that, that the only place where you can get it in a public gathering is in a church and that's the presence of God? If we stand and preach and break apart the scriptures and, and we're expository and we throw the Greek out at you and throw the Hebrew out at you and give you the history and if we sing majestic songs of glory and praise to God... And don't make room for the Holy Spirit to manifest, then we've failed and we've missed it. This is true, friends. The Bible never is meant to lead us back to the Bible. Prayer is never meant to lead us into our own thoughts. Bible reading, prayer, Bible study, even worship is meant to lead us somewhere to someone, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. We read the Bible and we walk in obedience to the Bible so we can be better worshipers. And when we become better worshipers, something happens. We encounter the living God. He is the end. Everything else is the means to that. And so if we don't make room for the Holy Spirit to manifest, then we've missed it. Because I believe in the preaching of God's word. I believe in worship. I believe in all of those things. But I've seen the Holy Spirit do more in five minutes than 500 hours of talking around the word can do. Amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is what makes this book alive and well. And we need to make room for him. Amen? And so we have this unique opportunity when we gather together to experience Him. To experience Him. Okay, a few thoughts. You're like, I thought those were your thoughts. No, here's my thoughts. Jesus said He came to seek and save those that were lost. Luke 19.20 Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 And for those of you that have been tracking 1 John I know you would have come across that. The lost are saved when they have a revelation and an encounter with the gospel. The Bible makes this statement. Jesus said that no one can come to him, to Jesus, unless the Father draws them. There has to be an encounter, a revelation that lifts the veil. How many of you know that you can preach the gospel and people can sit there and go, this is nonsense, this is stupid. And other people can be gripped in their hearts and have a revelation of the goodness of God and respond to that. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And so our part is to preach. Our part is to pray. Our part is to prepare the soil of people's hearts through good works and good deeds and kindness and and patience and grace. Uh, uh, The gospel uh, proclaims that there's abundant life in Jesus and eternal life is offered through him. The gospel isn't just about words. It's about the enemy's works being destroyed when sick people are made well, when captives and addicts and bondages are set free, when marriages and lives are restored, when blindness and deception is lifted that Satan has used to keep people captive. This is what Jesus came to do according to those two statements. That's what he came to do. But how exact, we sing songs like shine your light forever and ever. You know what? I always just kind of go along and sing along with it, but I think it's kind of a stupid statement. I Like, honestly, we have all these songs about Jesus shining his light. How does Jesus shine his light? He does it through the church. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he went on to say to his disciples and followers, you are the light of the world. Why? Because in the same way Jesus came to reflect the glory of God, we reflect the glory of Jesus. He's the light of the world. So our lives are meant to be lived, not pointing to us, but pointing to him, to reflecting his goodness, reflecting his love, reflecting his mercy, reflecting his his grace and his truth. Our lives, when we let our light shine, we're actually letting Jesus shine. So next time you're, you're standing in worship and you're singing, shine your light forever and ever. Remember, it's Jesus through me, through me. That's what we're called to do. And I know many of you are doing that. How does Jesus shine his light? How does the love and good news come? How does Jesus set captives for you? Romans chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God for that. But verse 14, how then can they call on one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one they've not heard? And can, how can they hear without someone preaching to them. Let me qualify that. It's like I think it was Charles Spurgeon said, always preach and use words if you have to. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're the light of the world. We're the ones who bring good news. We're the ones who radiate God's glory, his light, according to 2 Corinthians 4. We are his hands, his feet, his answers to prayer. We are the ones who bring his healing and his power to others. We are. Thank God. How beautiful are the feet of the team that come and make meals every Thursday. How beautiful are the feet that even when it's minus 10, they load up the cars with hot meals and bring it to 70 homes in this community so that Kathy could hear that Jesus doesn't hate her, but Jesus loves her. God wanted to reach Kathy. Amen. Yes. God wanted her to know that he doesn't hate her. He wanted her to know that, but she was hiding from him. I am sure that every time an evangelist came on TV, she turned the channel because she was hiding from God. The good news for Kathy was that God desperately loved her. In fact, the good news for Kathy and for all of us is that God couldn't imagine eternity without her. So when it became the choice of sparing his own son or sparing Kathy, he let his son die in her place so she could spend eternity with him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That she could be totally clean. I love that analogy, Kathy. I am stealing it and I'm using it. Uh, that, that analogy of how they clean a baby up before they present it to the Father. And that's what Jesus' blood does. He cleans us up. He cleanses us. He forgives us of our sins and then presents us to the Father as new creations, as newborns. There's wonderful theology in that. And the way God carried the message of his light and life and salvation to Kathy, how he released his love to her, was by sending some crazy people to knock on her door and just randomly ask, hey, do you want some warm food? What if we didn't start this ministry? What if we didn't go? You know, as a senior pastor, I look at the amount of work that Pastor Michelle and Pastor Mitch do. I hear the testimonies of the lives they're touching. 
And I'm painfully aware that they are only paid a part-time salary. So that's always in the back of my mind. As a senior pastor, I, uh, I have to take Tums sometimes uh, when we look at the budget and what we're owing. It's just, it's just doing business, right? It's just, it's just the business of, of the church. And so when we sat down as a staff and people had come to Pastor Michelle and said, maybe it's time for us to start a soup kitchen and we had had that opportunity a few years ago, and something in, in, in us, you know, just when Pastor Ryan was here, the three of us went, it's not right, it's not time. And yet this time when it came, the Holy Spirit ignited something in us, and we sat and looked at each other and said, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. Because at that point, friends, we were running a deficit. We said, I, we don't know how we're going to pay for this, but how many of you know when the Holy Spirit says, go, you go, and he provides Right? Listen, I'm being dead honest about this. It's a, this is a walk of faith. If we wait until we have all our ducks in a row, guess what, friends? We'll be sitting in the four walls of this church never doing anything. And so we decided that it was going to cost about $300 a month, and that budget was out of our reach. And yet I look at that testimony this morning, and I, first of all, I'm thankful for God's provision. I'm thankful. And uh, I look at that testimony and I think, what if, what if we only, what, what if we said no to the Holy Spirit? Kathy would still be sitting at home hiding from God, somehow thinking that her Heavenly Father hates her. So I am so thankful. What, what, if, what if people didn't have the boldness to go door to door and not just knock on the door. Do you want to know what happened? Here, here's how God works. We opened up the church. We advertised a soup kitchen. And I think no one came the first week. And the second week, four people came. And so Joanna came into our office and said, we've got like 40, 50 meals. Can we maybe just go hand them out? And we said, sure. We've got them. And now when they go down the halls of Moore Lodge, now when they go into places, the doors are open waiting for them. I'm thankful for people that are able to just knock on the door and with no strings attached, just say, hey, we just want to bless you. I'm thankful for a church that can stand out. By the way, say, we want to bless you, but uh, have had the opportunity to pray with people, to go in and do practical helps, do good works, just to let the light shine. I'm, I'm thankful for a church that we can stand out here when it's like minus eight degrees and parade night and make s'mores and hot chocolate for the community. I'm thankful for a church that said, let's put aside all the controversy around Halloween and just open up the church and give, you know, give kids a bunch of things that aren't good for it. We'll bless it. It'll be fine. And uh, it'll be like broccoli by the time they digest it. So that we can just let a community know we want to bless you. I'm thankful for a church that when we leave here today, I know many of you, I know many of you are being Jesus' hands and feet extended into this community and into your families, and you're standing, and you're praying, and you're loving. Last year, the Lord prophetically dropped this passage of Scripture into my heart for Corona. 
For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2.14. Uh, the, the Lord really put that. He didn't say that the glory of the Lord. Would, he said the knowledge. And it was very specifically that passage. And the Lord put on my heart and said, Jay, I really believe that your goal and your dream and your vision for the church needs to be that the knowledge of Jesus Christ will be available to every person in Karana. In other words, that every person in Karana will have opportunity to hear a credible testimony of the saving, healing, delivering, merciful, gracious provision of Jesus Christ. So in other words, that we are impacting our community so much that there's not a street, there's not a neighborhood, there's not a workplace where there's not somebody who represents Jesus, whether they're from Parkway or not, that, that has been healed, set free, delivered, a marriage restored, saved, that the opportunity is not there for somebody to hear and ask, hey, tell me more. Have we reached there yet? No, we haven't. But I am not discouraged, friends. Do you know why? Because even though the knowledge of the glory of the Lord has not covered our community yet, there's 70 more homes where every week there's a knock on the door, the door opens, and the church of Jesus shows up with soup and a roll and watermelon last week and says, here you go, God bless. And the opportunity is there to pray. The opportunity is there to ask for help. The opportunity is there to ask for more. And we just saw what happens when the opportunity is given. Amen? So, so there are 70 more homes in Corona that we're impacting than we, before the Lord gave us that prophetic word. Okay, I'm more excited about this than you are, but it'll, it'll come. And this is God's agenda for us. This is Jesus' purpose for Parkway. People passionate about him, passionate about being curious of his presence, power, and love. And as we enter 2017, there's so much more the Lord has for us because there are people and circumstances and opportunities calling us to. One of the saddest, even heart-wrenching passages of Scripture is found in Ezekiel. That's where I am in my reading plan right now in Ezekiel. And this is what the Lord says. He says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall. And stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. If you were to read Ezekiel 22. Uh, the circumstances of, of their society were much the same as the days we live in. There was evil, crime, sin, exploitation. There was uh, uh, just immorality. There, there was you know, judges that were being bribed. There was all kinds of of evil things. And, and God says, I searched and I looked through the whole land. First thing he says is, who would stand, uh, who would build up the wall. When scripture speaks of building up the wall, it always talks about building up the foundation of righteousness and godliness. The first thing God was looking for was a people who recognized that we're in the world, but not of the world. People who are living differently. People who are living holy and righteously. People who are putting first his kingdom. That word, to build up the wall, always talks about the righteous being the salt of the earth. Why? Because God's righteous preserve the rest of the earth and hold back judgment and even consequences of sin so that God can work mercy in others. Do you understand when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, one of the things he was saying was that salt preserves. The church of Jesus is what's preserving this planet right now from reaping the consequences of its sin. Because righteousness builds a wall before God that holds back the breach of unrighteousness. There's passages in the new scripture that talks about if you're the saved spouse, you will be the salvation for your family. Why? Because you're building up a wall of righteousness and God doesn't have to bring about the allow the consequences of sin so that he can come in and act mercifully. 
Does this make sense? Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. God would have spared those ungodly cities if he had found ten righteous. God didn't even say at that point, I will spare those cities if they turn and repent. He says, if I find ten righteous people to build up a wall, I'll spare them. God couldn't even find that in the whole nation in Ezekiel. Second thing he says, then who would stand in the gap? That's the word for intercession. And intercession talks about prayer. It talks about our action, standing before God, bringing God to people and bringing people to God. We're the, we're the mediators. And so it's bridging the gap between God and people. When I was in Dominican missionary with missionary Adrian Thomas, he made this statement to us and he made it. We had a discussion around it, but Adrian said, Jay, whenever I come across a situation or a circumstance, he goes, I don't believe that I have the option of doing nothing as a Christian. He said, when I come across a situation, a circumstance, a need, I know that as a Christian, as God's intercessor on this earth, I have to do something. The option of doing nothing isn't an option. And he said, it could be just pray in the moment. How many of you, when an ambulance goes by with its going, how many of you stop and pray? That, that, that counts. Pray, Jesus, intervene in that situation. So it could be praying in the moment. It could be saying, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Is there some kind of partnership? Is there some kind of encouragement? Is there some kind of truth I need to bring? Do I need to go and pray? Do I need to give? Do I need to get my wallet out? Do I need to act? What do I need to do in this situation? But Adrian says the option of doing nothing isn't an option if you're a believer in Jesus. That's what it means to build the wall. That's what it means to stand in the gap. Oh, that the church of Jesus would live differently than the rest of the world. That we would know the Bible more than we know the latest sports statistics. That we would know the presence of God more than we know the presence of the ungodly. That we would know more uh, about how to intercede on behalf of others than we do the latest score or sports score or what's going on with the, in the U.S. right now or, or whatever. Oh, that we would be people that live differently and have a different set of values and principles that guides our lives. And live that before people. Let our light shine. But stand in the gap, doing good works, praying on behalf of others, not having the option of doing nothing. And God said, I look for someone, but I found no one. Kathy, you encouraged us this morning with your testimony. You encouraged us. Uh, man, there's, Kathy, I'm going to tell you this. There is a prophetic gift in you. Because you said so many things in that two-minute video that are, that, are, that, that are the gospel and prophetic. Amen? But how many more Cathy's are out there that the Spirit of God wants us to impact? How many are already in my life and in your life and we meet them every day? We need to be a church without walls, representing a kingdom with no boundaries, amen, and borders. This happened many years ago, thank God. Thank God, and I mean this honestly, thank God that this will not happen now because, because things are different now. But about 10 years ago, Sam might remember this, about 10 years ago, I felt God stir us towards a, a season of intercession. And so we called a Saturday night prayer meeting. And we, we told the church, we're going to pray for three things, for revival and renewal in the church. We're going to pray for prodigals, for the people in our lives that used to serve Jesus and no longer do. And let's pray for the people in our lives that don't know Christ. And so I got here at Saturday night, and Sam's big car that takes up nine spots in the parking lot came in. And Sam came in with his car. And about two minutes later, a brand new Christian, two months old, came in. And I'm going to tell you something. We were the only three that came. 
And this is one of the saddest statements I ever heard. The new Christian, two months in the faith, turned around. Do you remember this, Sam, sitting up here? uh, Dan, he looked at, at Sam and I, and he goes, is no one else coming? Aren't we praying for, like, lost people? This was our kids, our families, our neighbors. And we couldn't get off our rear ends to come to church and intercede. Come on, friends. I think it was hockey playoffs. Thank God. And I'm saying this honestly. Thank God that wouldn't happen now. And, I, and because God's changed our hearts. Amen? Are, are you still all okay with me? Okay. Well, if not, take it up with the Lord. Because I tried to take that out of there about four times. <laughs> he kept asking me to put it back in. Anyways. God looked and found no one, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that in 2017, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've written them down. We have baptized a significant number of people. In 2017, we've heard testimony of a number of people coming to faith in Jesus for the first time or coming back to Jesus, prodigals. Thank God that even in the last Friday of the new year, I believe it was, I think three or four more teenagers were baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in, in tongues for the first time again. Thank God that we baptized Kathy this morning because, uh, you know, we, we have a deacon board and a church and a people who have enough faith to say, you know what, God's calling us to do it. The $300 a month budget, he will provide and he did provide. Nothing is impossible when God's in it. Nothing is impossible when God's in it. And once a step of faith for the church becomes a step of faith for you and I, the, the, the time is going to come when God speaks to you and I and says, you can't do nothing about that situation. But Lord, that's, that, what they need is just, what you're asking me to give is too much. Too much time, too much money. Too much. Friends, if God is in it, he will provide. I'm going to say it again. If God is in it, he will provide. Let's be passionate. Statement was made to me this week. We believe that hell is real, right? Yep, yes we do. Because Jesus spoke, friends, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. And the person said to me, boy, if hell is real, that's, that's a terrible thing. We should be a lot more passionate about pointing people to Jesus. There should never be a prayer meeting when we call a prayer meeting specifically, not, not because we're doing it every night and putting it overburdening people. You know, as a church, we need to strengthen people in their homes and in their workplace, not take people away from that. I understand all that. But man, when the Spirit of God speaks and says, pray, gather together because my favor rests for your prodigals. Friends, if we believed hell was real to be, and, and it should be, should be, avoided in heaven is to be gained this place should be have this many people every time we call a prayer meeting because the spirit of God speaks to us and so a couple of things we are starting midweek prayer this week and uh, how we're going to structure it going into the new year and the worship team can come as I'm speaking how we're going to structure it as we head into the new year is like this. The two middle Sundays, the second and third, sorry, the second and third Wednesdays of every month are going to be what we call refuel. And refuel is almost going to be a mini version of what we do on Sunday. Heavy on worship, 
a 10-minute message, and it won't, it won't be me every week. We've had Mark share. We've had John share. We've had uh, other people share. But uh, 10 minutes in the Word to encourage us and focus us, and then closing with prayer for needs, for your needs, for your family, for sickness, uh, for healing, for things like that. That's going to be the middle two Wednesdays of every month. We did two uh, as we headed out of the new year, and we had, I think, 25 almost to each one. And a couple of people came to me at the end and said, I wasn't able to be in church Sunday because of work or this, but man, I feel refreshed today. I felt like I, felt like I was able to connect with the body of Christ. So we're going to do that every Wednesday, two middle Wednesdays of every month. The first and the fourth Wednesday of every month and the fifth where it applies We're going to be focused on video teaching and equipping and then closing with prayer, crying out to God for revival, for renewal, for the lost. And we always stay. John has been given excellent leadership to the prayer times. He always just seems to lead us uh, as the Spirit leads. So I just encourage you to be part of Wednesdays. There's no pressure to pray out loud. It's the fact when we gather together in unity and pray, he said he's there in our midst and there's a favor that comes and a power that comes when we're in agreement. Let's make Sundays a priority. Let's not live spiritually just to get by. Let's come. Let's not just say, I'm going to go when I need to be filled, but let's come with the attitude of, I have something to give. You have something to give because somebody lives in you, the Holy Spirit. And the expression of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the manifestation of the gifts through you will manifest in a unique way that they won't manifest through me or anyone else in this room. And the Holy Spirit's manifestation through your life is needed and necessary. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we are all part of the body of Christ and we're all called together and each one of us has a gift. And an expression as the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've been having you stand up and bless one another. Because there's an expression of blessing that comes through you that can't necessarily come through me. And God knows where you're sitting. He knows who's sitting next to you. And he He wants to touch the people that are sitting next to you on any given Sunday. Do you honestly believe that? Well, it's true. And following the service at the back, there's about 20 sheets, practical take-home sheets. Basically, how do I take uh, today's message that as the church, individually, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, how do I live this week as a church without walls and a kingdom without borders? There's some guidelines there. There's some things that will maybe help uh, stir you and encourage you. If more than 20 of you want it, uh, Graham will just go and photocopy it for you, but you can get that on the way out, okay? So... uh, We are going to go to our anointing service and our time of worship. But let's stand. I want to pray for you. I hope that if you're new here and you've never heard us speak about our vision statement, our mission statement, being restoring, renewing, and releasing, I hope it's clear this morning. That's what we're about. We have to be about pointing people to Jesus, amen, in everything and in all things. So, Lord, I just pray that as I prayed this morning before I even arrived here, that the soil of our hearts would just be so ready to receive that word today. I think of how a group of of people go out every week and bring those meals, Lord. I think of how volunteers come and, and help us do our outreach programs. But, Lord, 
that's only just scratching the surface. When we leave here in a little while, we are going with the same opportunity to knock on the doors of people's hearts and bring Jesus to people through our good deeds, through our kindness, through our love, through expressions, Jesus, of mercy and grace, through our giving, through our praying, through our laying on of hands. And so I pray, Jesus, that that you would just encourage all of us just to be bold and recognize that you have called us and commissioned us and you've equipped us to go into this world and into our families, our homes, our schools, our workplaces. Because there's people that are hiding from you. There's people that the devil is told that you don't love them and Christians are just, just hateful people. God, I just pray that they would see the truth in us that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever puts their faith in him and believes would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of being your representatives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we have our elders? website where if you like what you hear we would love to have you come join us on a Sunday morning right here in Corona.